Blog Talk Radio. Extremely happy. I know what he's going through, and this means 
so much to him, and it means even more to us that he's happy. And that's a preview of the uh, Tackle the World Tough Game Tougher Women um, video that's on our uh, Facebook page. As we get ready for the Women's World Championships, uh, Oscar Lopez here. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Blog Talk Radio. And so the uh, moment has come. We are now in that uh, situation where we're, June will be here anytime soon as the IFAB Women's World Championships will arrive uh, in Canada and Vancouver be specific, as well as USA Trials, as well as Football Canada Trials are going on this month, uh, specifically for USA, for us, it's in Orlando, it's the, uh, the weekend of the NFL Pro Bowl, starting January 21st to the 29th, it will be USA uh, Football Team Trials for the national team, as well as the Women's World Football Games 4 that will take place in uh, Orlando, a lot of our no-joke football supporters going to Orlando from overseas as well, as well as uh, a, a lot of the IWFL and WFA superstars that play, obviously, in the shores, and WWCFL stars that play up in Canada. So alongside Kishi Free, Troy Wilson will be joining us uh, momentarily. Uh, great college football uh, ending yesterday in Kishi. Uh, heartbreaker for Alabama, two minutes left, and they punch it in in the end zone. Uh, Deshaun Wa- uh, Watson. Obviously, I don't know if he's going to end up in Cleveland or in San Francisco. Um, it was kind of fitting. Holly Custis uh, ended up posting some stuff for me on, on Facebook right after that and says, mm-hmm. I want that guy in San Francisco. So uh, she's pretty excited to see him probably in the draft and see if they'll take him in the draft. So um, what's your thoughts? Well, don't shoot me, but I actually was under the weather last night. so. I missed the game, but I kept hearing about the highlights all night long. Uh, I had a migraine headache last night, so I just was like I couldn't take the TV. But I honestly, I picked um, Alabama to lose. We had a poll at work yesterday, and, you know, it was one of those things where pick, they had both names up, and everybody just put their mark under the team they wanted. And in all honesty, almost everybody picked against Alabama. I thought that was so interesting. Only two people I think in the world. Really, I, I think it was really poll, because but. everybody kind of had an idea that, uh, you know, the first half started out somewhat dominated by the Roll Tide, but then everything changed after the half. Then they started to really yeah. commit. A lot of real vicious hits happen in the game. We'll talk to Troy about that, but a lot of targeting hits on the other side in terms of Alabama. Um, I, I just thought the refs did a poor job. I know they didn't want to, you know, really? put penalties up there for, for the players, but t- technically, you know, it was, there were just some, some calls should have been made and they just didn't, they let them play, which is fine. But at the same time, good thing there was nothing really crucial happening, you know, where somebody just gets knocked out and just completely wax out. But you got to give it to well, Clemson. They played sort of like Tom Brady Patriots, like in the in the late third quarter to the fourth quarter. They owned the fourth quarter, so they did literally Belichick style play. So I, I mean, it was just 
crisp, precise. Um, they just took it and they said, you know, we're, we're gonna, I mean, there was no other uh, attitude for it. They just, they had confidence. Last two minutes of the, of the game, they were still down, just mustered a way to win. And so, you know, why not beat the giant, right? I mean, this is just, this is what it was. I mean, Alabama was basically a shoe in for the title, but uh, Clemson, you know, they come up and, you know, the little, little, little team that they, everybody thought they were, I mean, they, yeah. And so they made it happen. I mean, it was just very impressive. I mean, at the edge of our seats, I mean, everybody's on there. I was on Twitter. There was a lot of people, uh, you know, from uh, Clemson, rooting on Clemson because of the fact that, you know, maybe we get tired at some point of a, a good team being so good that we just <laughs> have to get on the bandwagon. When, when somebody comes up to, like, be so competitive, you say, oh, this is what we want. At, at first, everybody well, thought it was going to be one of these blowout games, but it didn't turn out no. that way. It turned out to be a pretty, a pretty good classic. I actually never expected it to be a blowout. Um, Troy has talked about Clemson all season long, and he's talked so much about um, – how, you know, at first there was talk about whether or not they would even make it to the playoff, you know, if they were going to be counted in. But once they were in, you know, people didn't expect them, um, you know, to win against Ohio State. Once they put that whooping on Ohio State, I knew they were the real deal. And Yeah, that was, Ohio, that, was proven, that was a statement game. That was exactly a statement game. And when they – when you – lay Ohio State out like that, then you you said a, a message that you've come to play. And I know a lot of people are going to try to, you know, oh, well, Stark didn't have the offense ready. And, you know, I, I'm sure, Patty or not, here we come, but Lane Kiffin is probably laughing himself all the way to Florida, you know. And, oh, yeah. um, and, and, and but, you know, listening to all the recaps, um, from what I understand, because the – Tide turned when the uh, running back for Alabama got injured and was out of the game because that's the one thing that everyone has said all year long about Alabama is how their quarterback doesn't really have an arm. Now, to my understanding, he had two amazing plays late in the uh, third and fourth quarter, but, you know, he they basically dared him to beat him by throwing the ball, and he couldn't. So, you know, that's something that people have talked about all year, that for all of everything that Alabama State and even the SEC can do, oftentimes putting up great quarterbacks is not that um, conference's strongest ability. It's no, the it's always been, it's the, always running been the running game. It's been the running it's game. It's always been the running um, game. We'll have to mention and also we have, a, a two, we have two guests on today. Uh, from Zybeck Sports, uh, uh, the CEO, Mike Weinstadt, and Joshua Marable, they'll be here. They just got uh, hooked up with Legends Football League to do their combine testings. Um, they start out their combine testings this past weekend in Seattle at the Miss tryouts, as well as the Temptation tryouts. So they'll be here in the Nojo Football Huddle in a couple minutes here. So we'll have uh, Mike Weinstadt and Joshua Marable to talk about combine testing for Legends Football League as well as just in general for, you know, uh, athletic combine requirements and what it would take to obviously make the roster because it's going to be similar. Uh, The upgrade to an actual servicing part for Legends is actually uh, unique 
because they've done their own pretty much in the last couple of seasons. So now it's more of a specific, more, more data, more uh, specific things that are going to happen. So they'll talk to us about what it takes for them and what they do as a service and how they're going to benefit, obviously, the uh, athletes and the organization and the branding of Legends Football League going forward. So, but, yeah, uh, Kishi, uh, national championship, I mean, lived up to its hype, one, number two. I mean, I just – Watson, if he ends up in, in, in Cleveland – that's I don't know if that's a good or bad, but uh, if it ends up in Cleveland, he mm. might it might be okay because under new ho- new coaching there as well, so it could benefit him there. Well, yeah, that was of course the the other big joke that you know, and the memes. Oh my God, the memes that have been floating around social media today are hysterical. That face when you look when you just realize you won the national championship. That face you look when you realize, oh God, you're going to Cleveland. <laughs> But yeah, he yeah, but he did he did declare and um and and, and you're right um it, it's going to be interesting you know to see where this goes, but you know what in the draft we've been shocked before by teams that are willing to move and you know what there are some teams right now that have also shown that they are definitely in need of a quarterback who might be willing to make a major trade with Cleveland to get Deshaun. Remember when the Redskins yeah, that could be made the, the that, trade that to go up to number because two? Because the Redskins went that, traded that up to case. number two to get uh, RG3. So, and, and, and it's not like Cleveland hasn't traded away draft picks before. They don't make good choices when they do that with the picks that they get. But Cleveland, you know, has traded away their first-round draft pick in the past. So uh, that's something else to consider. I mean, if you look at it, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Blake Bortles is nice and all, but the Jaguars are in need of a quarterback. Um, The Rams, okay, put it out there. The Rams are in need of a quarterback, you know, right now. Um, everyone keeps talking about um, the Broncos, and um, we don't know what Savage is going to be able to do or what he can be next year. So that's going to be an interesting situation to watch down there in Houston because, you know, even though Brock Osweiler uh, helped them win the game, there's still no guarantees that that this is going to ensure his position in the fall as the returning starting quarterback. So Houston's another uh, team to watch in terms of who might move up in the draft. Who else who, uh, who else do you, can you think of who would move up in the draft uh, that might want to go after Deshaun, a team that's in need of a quarterback? you got a, a plenty of teams in the NFC that are going to take that, especially in the West in the West Division, I mean, you got the Rams probably uh, probably going to look mm-hmm. at some. I mean, not the quarterback themselves, but they're going to be looking at a lot of talent as well on defense. Uh, but overall, I think it's going to be kind of the lesser teams. You know, the Bears, the the Niners. Um, you know, all the all the bottom feeder teams that are obviously at the top of the draft. A lot of them need some sort of you know um, quarterback state. Like they got Mariota, like you put in Mariota and everybody else uh, in the last draft that you had to pick up some good, talented quarterbacks. But you know, it every I think this year the NFL because we don't have the marquee good names of quarterbacks anymore. Uh, besides right. your guy in Dallas, that has stood out all season. 
there is a big need, obviously, to get somebody back at that level where I think we're dwindling down the quarterback in itself because there's not a lot of big-name quarterbacks like we're used to. I mean, there's a lot of other names in terms of running backs and in terms of defensive players, but not so much at the quarterback level. I think we're just getting to that stage where we're phasing that out. And uh, we'll, let's hope that we get some players from maybe Division Two and Division Three that maybe get on the roster that maybe are impressive. Well, do you think we're starting to see more parity? I mean, because one thing definitely about the NFL is it's almost like the fashion industry. It's about fads and trends. You know, at one point, a team didn't have to be great at the quarterback position as long as you had wide receivers like the Lynn Swans and, you know, the world who could just go up and pull down anything. Or if you had a strong running back like a Tony Dorsett, you know, who could just be this amazing workhorse. And, you know, and of course, then the Redskins, like Troy said last week, came along and you had the Hogs with the crazy O-line and you had John Riggins back there with that ground and pound style. And, I mean, you know, you didn't need to be this elite. I hate the word elite. I think I just want to vomit, actually, every time I hear it because it's so overused. But you didn't have this top-tier quarterback. You didn't have to. You had to be, dare I say, a game manager and just not turn the ball over. That's what you had to be good at was being able to hold on to the ball, not turn the ball over, and, and not make stupid plays and fumbles. And then all of a sudden came Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and they just ushered in this new era of quarterbacks like we've never seen. And now, like, to your point, and then if you notice, once the quarterbacks came in, the running back position became obsolete. But Zeke Elliott is now proving, once again, you know, those those running backs matter. Le'Veon Bell He's proving running backs matter. So do you, to your point, do you think we're getting ready to see a, a new transition, like a fashion trend, to start moving back toward a more balanced offense? Yeah, it's going to get to that level where, where uh, we're going to get to that stage. And uh, hopefully, you know, we're going to get better athletes coming out of this. Um, let's go into the no-joke football huddle. I don't know if Troy's with us. Troy, are you with us already? I don't know if Troy's with us or not, uh, but uh, let's go ahead and go into the No Joke Football Huddle with um, the Zybeck Sports CEO, Mike Weinstadt, and uh, let's see if Joshua Maribel is with him. So, um, Mike, are you on the line? Yes, we are. Can you hear us? Hi. Yeah, we can hear you clearly. Uh, Mike, uh, thanks for making the time. Uh, appreciate you uh, reaching out to us as well, and uh and uh, tell us a little bit about what you're up to in terms of a, the big announcement, obviously, with Legends Football League. And uh, tell us, tell the fans a little bit about what Zybeck Sports is all about. Well, excellent. Well, Zybeck Sports, we do athlete testing. Uh, we've been doing athlete testing for over 10 years now where we measure just exactly like what's done in a typical football combine with the 40-yard dash, the pro shuttle, the three-cone drill, vertical jumps, and other physical measurements um, such as those there. We've been uh, testing everybody from high school and junior high athletes all the way up to the professionals. And when we saw just the caliber of athletes that the LFL has, uh, we really wanted to be able to provide those same types of uh, testing services to the 
um, you know, the, the women athletes playing fo- football. So, Mike, are you involved with the arena as well? Uh, kind of familiar with the seven on seven or eight on eight mentality? Oh, yes, very much so. And um, we, we test athleticism. And the sport isn't as important as the just the just natural athletic capabilities of an individual. Yeah, we were actually involved. Right. Um, okay, sorry, we were actually involved a little bit with the tryouts for the uh, new Arena Bowl. Excuse me, the new Arena League in China. So they were using some of our equipment for that. So we're definitely familiar with just the high speed of the game, the high impact. And uh, that's just something that definitely attracted us to work with the LFL. Uh, Mike and uh, Joshua, you guys are also on with my co-host uh, Inkishi Free, and so she'll be chiming in as well with some questions. Um, Hello, Mike, everyone. The level, the level of competition in this league is crunch time because of the uh, small amount of games that are played. So what is probably one of the key things that maybe that the indoor game needs? Is it more speed? Is it, you know, what is the, in your eyes, as you guys are testing, are you guys looking for something different in terms of the arena to the outdoor game? We're measuring just straight athleticism, how fast an athlete can run in a straight line, how fast they can change directions, and how much explosive power an athlete truly possesses and can develop a lot of athleticism is, um, a lot of it is developed, but uh, much of it is actually just a natural born trait. And as we've seen in football and basketball and hockey, um, you know, really finding the best athletes is what it takes to develop a high caliber game. So what we can do just from the straight athleticism measurements is quantify uh, individuals Uh, performance. Um, Coaches can teach skills to athletes, but it's very hard to teach somebody to be an athlete. No, All right, and Keisha, you want to send in? I did. Well, and I was listening. Um, At first, I I couldn't hear you at first, so I I lost some of what you said, but with this this program that you guys have, um, are you using more technology to uh, make these measurements and assessments? Um, and the reason why I ask is it because I think maybe it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, uh, I attended a conference here in D.C., and the whole point of the conference was showing how they were converging the world of technology with sports and how they were able to use technology to measure body temperatures and rhythms and um, uh, how much, um, you know, their salt and alkaline levels. And based on that data and research, then companies and businesses were able to then figure out how to better target their products. And helmets were, you know, um, better able to create better helmets and cleats and things like that. So, you know, what kind of technology are you guys using to uh, do, make these determinations and analysis? You know, that's really cool technology, and um, but we're really not doing that. Uh, what we're doing is just measuring how fast the athlete can run, and we're doing that with um, the same fully automated timing system that we've deployed across the country. Um, 
so we can very accurately measure how fast um, an athlete can run. Uh, we can measure how high an athlete can jump. And just the overall physical performance of an athlete um, you know, a lot of the other technology out there, and again, I'm not, you know, knocking it in any way, is really looking at a lot of the um, uh, effects of exercise um, and, you know, exertion. What we're really measuring is the athleticism. The other thing that we're doing, though, is the reactive agility testing. The four uh, the most part, football combine testing, as we see like in the NFL combine and all the pro days that happen every year, measures just straight athleticism. And it doesn't integrate in anything with the cognitive um, performance of an athlete, how fast they can see something and do something, especially under full physical load. So what we've uh, developed and have, have deployed across the country and have, we're using with the LFL are the reactive agility tests. And the reactive agility test that we're using will have a static component. And basically what happens is the athlete is stationary. They're watching a light. They're ready to go just exactly like before the start of a play. And we can measure from when the light turns on and the athlete will actually start running and break the beam. Then the fun part is, though, is that right when they break the beam, we'll be um, doing some external stimuluses that the athlete will have to react to while they're running. And with that, we've simulated the decision-making of an athlete while they're actually under a physical load. And so basically what that is doing is kind of completing the athlete profile or picture from not just how strong and fast a person is, but how what their f football reactive ability or you know almost a football IQ is that they can um, perform at, where we've integrated in how fast they can think, and not only how fast they can think, but how fast they can react to external stimuluses. That's so exciting. Uh, I know we. No, I'm here, and I'm saying that was so exciting because, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about on this show is the fact that um, the game has gotten so much stronger and faster, and, you know, the hits are coming. I mean, look at just, for example, take the hit that Jordy Nelson took on Sunday in the playoffs, or, um, oh, God, I'm trying to think of who it was now, the uh, – or Kellen or Kellen Moore down in Miami. Those were some those are serious hits, and they're coming from big, strong, fast dudes. Whereas in the past, the guys may have been strong, but they may not have been as fast. So you, that's a deadly, uh, lethal combination. So your ability to measure then, for example, a quarterback's ability to read the speed and the rate, especially if there's a blitz coming at him, and then be able to respond and react. Are, are those some of the kind of tests that you're putting them through? Uh, definitely, and a really good example of that is when we tested the mist, um, specifically KK Matheny. Mm -hmm. uh, her static reaction time was actually the fastest of her team, and it was uh, 0 0.742 seconds. Wow. So that's, how quick, that's how quick she actually is from when she sees something to reacting to it. So you can see why she's so good at scrambling uh, back in the pocket. And um, some other neat things that we can do with the data is 
you know, when you take the 40 time of uh, Danica Brace, you know, she ended up running a 5-6-7-6-40, which is really quick, you know, for someone her size. It's actually very fast. Um, but when you look at her 10-yard split, which was uh, 1.663 seconds, you know, so what that really means is that when a quarterback drops back about seven yards, it would take Danica about 1.16 seconds to get to the quarterback from the line of scrimmage. Whoa. That's yeah. crazy. Pretty impressive. Oh, very impressive. So that's that's the type of things that we do with the data and that we want to flip back to the LFL so they can really promote their athletes um, in more of a tangible way than just having straight numbers. Right. Well, I, yeah, I and think the coaching, how does it benefit the coaching? A lot of it's just from straight uh, athlete selection. What we've seen in all the college programs are, you know, coaches' jobs depend on picking the best athletes. And the reason that the big powerhouse football programs stay that way for as long as they do is that they attract, attract the top, top talent. But really trying to decide who your top talent is is pretty tough. And, again, coaches would rather teach skills to true athletes, but trying to decide who that best athlete is yeah. can be very tough without any data behind that. Yep, and, and plus once you get your athletes and um, you can kind of deduce a power index from your selection, you could take a look and say, okay, well, this athlete actually is quicker moving to the left uh, than this athlete, so perhaps we'll put them on this side. So those are other benefits when you actually start to look at the data. Um, for instance, like when we do volleyball testing, it really helps the coach kind of put his players in the right position uh, where they excel athletically at, but it also shows them where they may have deficiencies in their movement and uh, in their physical performance. So just uh, they're able to actually tailor more specific workout regimens uh, based on the athlete's, you know, uh, power and uh, other things. It's pretty well, interesting to, well, to think that the numbers would decide, uh, you know, someone's fate, but overall also help with the scheming of things in terms of the game. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, what I also like about what they're doing is they're helping to legitimize the sport because what right. you're doing is what you're taking is actual data, actual reaction and read time, and you're enhancing the athlete's ability to perform at their skill set. And, and when you are, enable them to enhance their skill set, then they become truthfully a skilled player. And Correct. that data then allows them to train in a way that they maybe they weren't training before, which, again, allows them to legitimize, you know, like you said, all of the factors that you need to become a specialized athlete as a professional football player. And I think that is so great to be able to take that information and then to make it applicable to the female game. Correct. All right. I think just think that the, the female um, sports in general have been kind of overlooked when it comes to this basic combine testing, which has been used by the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA forever that it's not just, um, you know, a marketing thing that they do, that they, you know, truly are looking at the athleticism of these, of these individuals to try to pick their teams. And, you know, the LFL has amazing athletes, 
And, um, you know, we've measured that and we can see that by just how fast that they can run. So this does provide just the exact same testing that we do with everything from the high school level all the way up to the NFL, like at the scouting combine, to the LFL. And we're, we call this the standardized athlete testing. Everybody coast to coast that we work with, we do the exact same testing with so that the athletes can not only compare how they, um, how they compare amongst their team, but how they stack up across the country as well. Just this weekend, we did the Army National Combine in San Antonio and, um, you know, tested, you know, over 600 athletes there. These are some of you know, the best um, upcoming college athletes in, in the country. And this is the exact same test that we're doing with the LFL right now. So, I mean, it really shows that, you know, the LFL has, you know, the true athletes that we're giving them the exact same test that the professional athletes are being provided yeah, and exactly what, what Mike was touching on is that, you know, when we work with a lot of high school programs, whether it's a girls soccer, uh, girls basketball or volleyball, you know, we'll finally have the data to show them, you know, like this is the professional level of women's sports. You know, these are the numbers. And so it gives them something to shoot for when they're trying to go collegiate or, you know, play in any division. But it also – creates role models out of the LFL players. And that's just one of our big things that we're trying to uh, to do with the league um, and hopefully develop in the future uh, with our relationship. Mike, the, uh, the branding has evolved. The style of play has evolved. Um, initially, it was probably not a true athlete, but seven years in, we're starting to see the commitment from an athlete uh, in terms of, you know, play and all that. So did the branding uh, have to do with you guys in terms of eyeing this brand for a long time? And, and I'm talking about keeping an eye on this for the last two or three years before you guys committed to coming on board to uh, helping them elevate their uh, status in terms of the athlete's information and data? Yeah, very much so. Uh, we wanted to make sure that the LFL was, you know, really making a commitment to feature their athletes as as athletes. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very serious about this, that we test athleticism, irregardless of socioeconomic background, gender, race, or anything. I mean, we don't really care. I mean, we measure how fast people run, and we can compare people as as athletes. And, you know, we're very glad that we're working with the LFL because they have seemed to be making a commitment to feature their athleticism. And, and trust me, from what we've measured so far, um, you know, you guys have some real athletes in the LFL. Yeah. And what's also nice is that it came at the, the perfect time when we were looking at the league and seeing how it was evolving and the power of the athletes. And um, we just sent out a message to – to Mitchell and he actually replied and just said he was looking for the same thing and he had already been um, talking internally about finding a performance testing partner for the league so it was just perfect timing for both of us hey Joshua hey, Mike, who was at the going? LA camp hey who um, was at the LA, at LA camp, camp. Uh, Mike was there okay okay Mike was there hey Mike the, the hype was Jerry Rice's daughter at this point, and I know you don't want to divulge any information from the tryout, but there was a hype that says that, you know, Jerry Rice's daughter was going to be 
trying out at the Temptation uh, tryout. Um, can you tell us anything about her speed or athleticism? Um, I don't have that in front of me, and um, I actually didn't, um, you know, they're all athletes to me, and I really didn't even note the name or even make the connection of that, to be honest with you, when I was there. But um, um, I definitely will look for that and can report back. Well, I'm just going to say my biased opinion about his daughter is that they make the Mississippi girls pretty good. I'm just going to say that right there. <laughs> I'm just saying something about them girls that come out of the state of Mississippi. They, I'm pretty, pretty special about well, them. Well, if she's as good as her, if she's as good as her dad, <laughs> she will be a standout and a star right away. So let's assume yeah. the pedigree is there. This for, this former soccer player had some speed on her. So I'm just going to say once again, something right there about them girls coming out of Mississippi with that speed. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it right there. Must be that water. <laughs> Must be the water down there. Hey, guys, how's it going? This is uh, Troy. Hey, Troy. Hey, Troy. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yep, sorry I'm late. Go ahead and ask the uh, question. I had to take care of. Um, yeah, wanted to ask a question. Um, so in the NFL and in college, when it comes to football, most of the time what you have is that, that baseline, um, you know, that uh, what I would call the green area when it comes to certain positions or when it comes to overall speed. So, you know, if a guy runs a 4-4, four, four, that's, that's considered pretty good. I mean, 4-3 and 4-2 is absolutely elite. So when it comes to – um, when it comes to measuring those statistics with women's football, what is the baseline that you guys are looking for as far as, I mean, how do you get a comparison with that? Or do you just compare just the, you know, the ladies that you guys are, are doing the testing for and then do it from that point? No, we'll provide a number of comparisons where, you know, one just amongst the team, uh, but also from everybody we've measured across the league. But um, we've, um, have an amazing database of everything from women's soccer players to, you know, male football players. Um, you know, they're comparing with, um, um, with, with that caliber of athlete as well. And the other thing metric that we provide is what we call the power index. And what the power index allows us to do is calculate the true athleticism of, of an individual that factors in the size and just the weight of the person. Because what we like to do, especially in our larger combines, is have one winner. But how do you pick a winner between a little running back and a big offensive lineman? So with that, we've developed the power index, which is kind of like a power-to-weight ratio you'd see in a car. So we will calculate the power it takes for, say, a 200-pound athlete to uh, you know, pull uh, 1.6 seconds in the 10 yard. And that's a, there's a certain amount of power it takes for that, but it's a different amount of power it takes for a 300 pound athlete and a 150 pound athlete. So this allows us to do cross sport athleticism comparison. Gotcha. Uh, one more, another question. Um, when it comes down to it, I mean, because after you guys tabulate, you know, um, you know, it says that you guys can, you know, uh, design a uh, an exercise program for the athletes. How much does nutrition play into into that? Because 
I guess that's one of the biggest things that, you know, um, you know I, I lift weights all the time. And one of the things that we always talk about is, is, is the nutrition aspects of it. And what nutritionally works for one person is completely different from the other. And it looks like that, you know, what you guys do is you guys kind of custom fit everything for these athletes. So how much do you guys emphasize on the nutrition aspect? Well, we definitely um, believe that taking a holistic approach uh, to someone's, um, you know, to their program after the fact, after getting the numbers is actually crucial. But what we like to do is really just stay objective. You know, even when we give these suggestions, it's all based on just very, very simple observations of the data. And then we hand those over to the coaches that they're already working with to kind of further the programming that they're doing with the athletes individually. So that's why we try to just remain sort of out of it and unbiased to the athletes in particular and just um, try to stay completely standardized with our approach and um, non-exclusive in that way. So, um, you know, personally, I definitely feel that nutrition is a huge component to athleticism and performance. Um, You know, we're working with like a pre-NFL draft combine right now, and that's one of their biggest things is, you know, let's cut the pounds and and shred these guys up, you know, teach them the fundamentals of the drills. But, you know, the performance and the improvement of the drills goes up exponentially just by eating the right foods, as you know, and uh, getting the right nutrition. Excellent, excellent. This is fascinating, man. Mike, Mike, the uh, the Legends Football League has always had the mock because it's not a true sport. Uh, since you guys have been testing early here and you guys have a couple more to test, uh, is that pretty much after seven years, is that should be pretty much, you know, removed at this point? Because you're talking a lot of superstars in this league have come and go in terms of athleticism, but the ones that are here the last two years, it shows that some of them are personal trainers and they take a commitment, as we're talking right now with the nutrition side of it. So, so in reality, they are true athletes in that in that form, right? Oh, I totally agree. These are true athletes, and I would kind of challenge anybody to who would be challenging the athleticism of any of those individuals to take the same test that they're doing, see how fast they can run the forty, see how high they can jump, and you know react with um, external stimuluses. But they'd be surprised at how athletic the the players are in the LFL. In the combines that you guys are doing right now with with them, have you noticed uh, the turnout? Is a turnout more of an athletic female type, or is it just every type of of of, of person that comes out to tryouts? Uh, these are athletic women. Uh, these are not, um, um, and they've got football skills and they played this before this is not their first time on the field yeah yeah up in seattle we noticed um some athletes that just had incredible hands and they just had really um sharp field awareness you know so you could tell that they were definitely a baller of some kind um and a lot of these athletes as you know have played college sports so they're all kind of coming through um definitely the returning players shined the most, but actually at our event, I think the quickest athlete will be a rookie, uh, and we expect her to get selected by the mist. Um, and then even the players there were saying that she's going to be a veteran just because she shined out there. 
How about Los Angeles? How did the conv- uh, the tryouts go in Los Angeles? Oh, it was great. Everybody ran the 40 and the 5105, you know, just so we've got the data to uh, com- compare just those basic tests to all the other data we've been collecting over the years. And I haven't compiled the data to the level where I could speak um, um, confidently about it, but I can assure you that there were some very, very fast individuals there. Well, it's going to be interesting for LFL fans and ourselves who follow the sport to, once you guys are done with all the combines, to kind of get a registered uh, power index as to, you know, who the best athlete is, who's the best, he's got the best hands. In the past, it's been uh, put out by the league in terms of, you know, data and everything else, but that's usually sort of like the college poll where, you know, you could be biased from one player to the other. But now with your guys' you know, potential and tool, uh, it's going to be awesome for uh, the average LFL fan to kind of figure out, you know, who's got the best uh, hands, who's got the best speed, who's, you know, who's the beast on the field in terms of overall uh, physical uh, attributes. So um, what you guys do is amazing, actually, in terms of, you know, giving the fans another perspective of the sport. And just Thank think you. if there were, um, and just think if there was a fantasy league for the LFL games, all of this data and information could be used to help people to uh, better draft their uh, fantasy teams. But um, and I do have a question though, and I I don't know, you know, if you guys have an answer for it. But because there are other uh, female football leagues, you know, is there any plans to expand? This um, data, the the results, or you know, the testing to the uh, other female football players, the ones that play the full um, kit games, the IWFA and the um, IWFL and the um, and the WFA. Uh, I know we, you're you, mostly you've done this only with the LFL, but you know, how would it change? Because you know, right now we know the ladies in the LFL play with less equipment so in all honesty you know how could how would these numbers change when you go to women that are playing full padded football yeah well the the numbers would stay the same because um the tests are administered with the athletes wearing athletic gear you know so they're not in full pads um and we've talked quite a bit you know we are launching into women's sports this year a lot more um aggressively if that's the right word just because we know it's an untapped industry which really isn't given the respect that it deserves and so we are definitely open to working with um any league you know we've actually looked into women's rugby quite a bit because it's a phenomenal sport and you know the players are just beasts you know um so we're definitely open to working with uh any football organization across the world. One of the great things about what we're doing, though, in these team sports, it's just so hard to, um, you know, really just look at the individual. And if, so basically, I mean, you could be an amazing player on a bad team and vice versa. That There's always these other, um, you know, things that factor into what is perceived as a player's you know, value and even just personal um, what what we're doing right now, though, is that the athlete starts the time, the athlete stops the time. This truly measures their athleticism. And, um, you know, that's just kind of great because we can just show exactly 
um, you know, where they are. And we, we've seen this forever that when the athletes come up to the line, they always look up at the coach, can I go, can I go? And the coach will say, it's on you. And we've really adopted that, that this is really on the athlete. We're giving them the tools to assess, show exactly where they're at. Again, they start the time, they stop the time, we're showing them exactly what they need to be working on to get to that next level. But this is their athleticism, and there's nothing else factored into this there. And we really tell the athletes it's on them. If they want to get better, we're showing them where they're at and what they can work on to get better, and it's on them to do it. So that's what's kind of unique about what we're doing with this combine testing. And it's not the test, it's a test. And it's just, you know, something that will quantify how a person stacks up athletically. It's on them to really do it. So we really um, promote this is that it's on you. Mike, the uh, the aspect of, of your data to the athlete is just, you know, uh, you can say it's going to be, a very good tool for them to enhance their, their skill set and obviously fundamentally as well. So, and for tryout purposes, it's just great data because it allows them to shoot for something that they have to improve on, not so much overall, but it, it pinpoints something that obviously they got to get better at. So, overall, I think that's a, a, a great step that Legends Football League has taken, and obviously Mitchell Mortaza, the, um, the commissioner, you know, uh, committing to it as well. So that's going to be great for the fanfare in terms of this year for 2017, uh, bringing forth the fact that it's actual testing because this league is, uh, since day one, at some point or another, people have viewed it more of a power, you know, powder puff at some point. But in the last, you know, three and a half, four years, it's gotten to another level. And now you're really, you're starting to see like a, a competitive edge with a lot of athletes that come out to tryouts. It's not just a, a certain certain uh, female that's going to come out to trial it's going to be a female obviously that has the capabilities uh of, a, of an athletic background that's going to excel at this at, at this level in terms of this type of uh style of play well and it's also going to impact revenue too because when you actually and it's going to impact revenue in a whole new way because the reality is now you're actually charging to see athletes play you're no longer charging to see victoria's secrets bikini models Right. And in that regard, but what that also does is it allows it in another way that maybe hadn't even been thought of or promoted, but it also allows the athletes a better um, opportunity in terms of requesting, you know, their salaries because they too now have justification and they have analytical empirical data to say, I'm an athlete, look at what I'm capable of, this is what I do, these are my athletic skill sets, and it allows them the opportunity to be able to turn that around to the owners and say, hey, pay me what I'm worth. And the owners, they turn back to the fan and say, you need to pay what it's worth to come watch these athletes. Because if you're willing to pay, and I get it, they're women, I get it, the popularity, da 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 But the reality is you're paying for a talent. When we go to our jobs every day, we are paid for the talent with which we are given. And now it allows these athletes and the league to be able to justify the request in terms of sponsorship as well, you know, from brands, you know, Gatorade now. They can tap one of these LFL ladies and have her in a commercial because she is a proven legitimate athlete. You can ask for the correct 
fees and prices for tickets because you're paying for a talent. And I think that this is really going to lift the game and the women's sports in a way that we haven't even begun to realize yet. It is a huge step in terms of the movement for it. The salary aspect of it, I think, still needs to be addressed. And I know that there's intangibles behind that, obviously, with arena fees and all the other costs that come into play. But for you guys, uh, Zybeck Sports, I mean, that's sort of a great uh, entry into the uh, women's football realm. We do have other uh, leagues in the United States as well. We've got the Women's Football Alliance and the Independent Women's Football League um, that usually play uh, in the summer. So it's going to be awesome to see if, you know, at some point you guys uh, link up to one of those two um, leagues. And then True Data comes out of that too because it's a a stat-driven type of environment in terms of football. And uh, so if you can see the true value of an athlete and to the fan and portray that like Kinkishi is saying, then it's just going to raise the stakes for the sport awareness as well. So, Mike, uh, Josh, Joshua, thank you for uh, making the time today. We really appreciate it. It gives everybody an insight in terms of what you guys do and how that's going to benefit uh, Legends Football League in 2017. Uh, kind of look forward to your data as it comes out, as, as all the uh, tryouts get completed uh, through this, you know, through this next month or two or three. And then once that comes out, what kind of things are we going to, uh, Mike? What kind of things are the fans going to expect from? let's say, from legends to push out there in terms of stats? Is it a power index in terms of, you know, who's the best athlete in terms of the Legends Football League and who's the best running back? Is there something going on in that conversation? Well, we hope that when they're, for example, introducing the players on the field that um, they would give the players true performance, measured specifications, just like they do on Monday Night Football. And, you know, when they introduce the – um, you know, the, the offensive line or the quarterback, you know, that they'll actually be listing their uh, true measured performance and, you know, what their actual statistics are. And I think this will give the, the, um, the coast and the commentators something more tangible to be discussing during the game to be, you know, showing what the individual athletes are performing at and what their athleticism in and, Maybe provide some better explanation as to you know why one athlete outruns the other um, when one has the ball or something. That's all you hear about is how fast the 40-yard dash is for some of the professional uh, male players, and the same should be available for the female population as well. Which is a cool tool, like I'm saying right now, because the power you get a power index in terms of the overall scope of the league and what players are in it, and then obviously break it down in that aspect. It's going to be a really awesome season to watch for, especially this season overall, especially uh, with you guys involved in the testing and then giving the data to legends and all the fans and legends. I mean, they have diehard fans just like any other sport. And uh, we've been following the league since 2009. And I can tell you right now, the evolution of the LFL athlete is in no better shape now, I mean, higher shape now than it ever was before. So the the cream of the crop has evolved in 2016, and 2017 really elevates that with you guys being a part of it. So thanks for making the time. Uh, can you let the fans know and any potential, you know, uh, companies that want to get hooked up with you in terms of elevating their um, sport 
or their organizations as well and where they can reach you guys at? Um, you definitely go to our website at zybexports.com, and uh, we're fairly active on Twitter. And they can drop us a, a call or an email or a tweet anytime. And we're, we'll be posting a lot of the events that we're participating in. And we hope that this will provide a forum for, you know, families to you know, just be discussing, you know, how fast athletes are and, and uh, maybe even open up some other fun things. For example, we do a father-son combine at some, in some cities sometimes. I would love to see where we're doing a, a mother-daughter combine somewhere where they can actually be doing the exact same tests at, you know, at, from – the kids and the parents. That sounds like fun. That's a pretty nice, uh, pretty much a, a good thing right there, uh, family atmosphere. Um, so at, uh, you said at Twitter, at Zybex Sports, you can keep tabs on that, and you guys are going to be pretty much posting stuff up throughout the season in terms of the Legends Football League season once it kicks off? Yep. And uh, Legends will also be sharing some of our content. Um, as an example, they just shared a video we posted on Danica Brace's um, reactive agility test. And uh, it's actually got quite a bit of play right now. It has about close to 45,000 views just in a day. So if you guys go on to her, uh, go on to the Legends Twitter page or Facebook, actually, you can see that. It's actually on the Facebook. Awesome. So, um, and yeah. then you can also probably catch it on the Seattle Miss page because they usually link it together. Yeah. So, at Legends Football League on Facebook, and maybe the Seattle Mist as well. So, uh, Joshua and Mike, thank you for making the time. We look uh, forward to all the information that's going to come out for the exciting season of 2017 for Legends Football League. Really appreciate you guys, uh, all the hard work you guys are putting in. Uh, welcome. Uh, we would welcome you back after the season, just kind of give a rundown as to you know, how it went in terms of data and your information. That would be great. Um, and then, you know, the fans are going to dive in this season, I know for sure, especially now that they know that this is true testing being done at a combine level in, in the sport. Um, it just elevates the brand to another level. So uh, congratulations to you guys hooking up with LFL. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on. We'd love to also bump you some of the data, too, uh, as we move forward through the tryouts. That would be great. Thank you. I uh, love networking with everybody and sharing that. So uh, have a great afternoon. Look forward to the uh, 2017 LFL uh, season with Zyback Sports as their uh, data comes out. Fantastic. Thanks, Thank guys, you. so right, much. Thanks. thanks for chatting with us tonight. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So that was uh, Mike and Joshua. Uh, and they're part of Zybex Sports, who had just made the arrangements to uh, do the L Legends Football League Combine tryouts for the seasons that are coming up here, the tryouts before the 2017 um, season comes up. So, uh, you know, Kishi, you, you mentioned it and you said it. Uh, I know you have to bail here for a little bit, but th this really puts it at another level for the commitment that the league Absolutely. will make and Mitchell Mortaza has made to get a third-party source to come out and really the individuals. Because in the past, as you said before, people just assume it was just some sort of, you know, not a real real league. And now we're looking at the commitment in terms of the league to a third party to really give an assessment of every athlete. Absolutely. And I think it totally changes the game. And, again, what it will allow us, 
to do as well as promote, you know, like I said, these are athletes. These are not Victoria's Secret lingerie models. There's nothing wrong with Victoria's Secret lingerie models. They're fabulous. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Happy, happy, joy, joy. But, you know, we want to see the athleticism. We want to see this as an actual sport. Again, you know, I'm certainly not opposed to seeing the fabulous male physique, you know, when playing, watching the game. But at the end of the day, I'm more concerned with how hard the, the defensive back hit, you know, as opposed to what's in his back seat. Um, I'm concerned about the size of his butt as opposed to him knocking someone on their butt. I mean, that's why I want Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kishi, we got Troy here. So, before you bail here, Troy, uh, college football, what an ending. Uh, you were on Twitter. I was on Twitter. Uh, wow, what a second half by Clemson, right? Oh, it was spectacular. It was spectacular. And and that, here's the thing. I, I'm thinking, and all season long, Alabama was a team who was who would just physically wear teams down, physically wear you down. But, you know, Clemson, you got to give them credit. They wore Alabama down. I mean, they converted – Alabama converted their first two third downs. And they didn't convert another third down for the rest of the game. They were two for 15 on, on third downs. And and then I looked at the play – the plays that Clemson ran. They ran 99 plays. So, I mean, you started to see that take a toll on Alabama's defense, that Vaughn defense where they probably have at least 20 pros on that defense. And they're not going to get drafted this year, but, you know, throughout the years. But, I mean, these guys are fantastic. But, you know, they just wore them down. It just looked like they just wore down after a while. And um, just I thought, what, it, was, what I thought it was very game. Brady-like and Patriot-like in the fourth quarter. That's I think that was the difference. They stuck to their, you know, their guns. And uh, they just they played more like New England in the last quarter. They just they just executed very well. Listen, you got to give all the credit to you know to, to that Clemson team, but you know of course you got to mention the stars of that team. First of all, Deshaun Watson, fantastic athlete. I mean, second year in a row that you know he's thrown for 400 yards against uh, Alabama. Last year he ran for almost 100 yards also. Uh, this year he didn't have to do as much. I think he ran for like 43 yards, but just the threat of him running, he, he just he he changed the whole landscape of that game. So I mean, Alabama doesn't they really don't have to play against a caliber quarterback as this guy, okay? Um, SEC has fantastic players, but the one thing that they lack pretty much overall is quarterback play, and so it's and hard for them to prepare for that guy because he is he is absolutely that good, man. And, yeah, and you know what, Troy? That's so ironic because that's actually what we had said earlier in the show too. Was that one of the challenges that the SEC tends to have is that there is a lack of strong quarterbacks, and I think that, and as much as we talked about the quarterback play changing on the professional level, it's a, it's a position that still seems to be a mandatory must-have on the collegiate level. Is that your assessment? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's absolutely, but it's more so just specifically when you look at it from a quarterback standpoint, a lot of teams run the spread. And so what you're starting to see is is the athlete that's playing quarterback, and they may not be as well versus throwing the football. And so they are a dual-threat quarterback. But, you know, after what you, you start to get film on these guys, and you would say to yourself, okay, 
He's a fantastic athlete. The kid runs like like a deer. But, you know, he's 50-50 when he throws the football. I'd rather him throw the football and then we'll, you know, try to, you know, sack the line and we'll take our chances that way. And and that's, and that's what basically you see a lot. what and they did. They dared him. They dared um, Alabama to beat them with their passing game, and it's evident exactly. that they couldn't do it once they lost their uh, running back threat. Yeah, and when Scarborough went down, when both Scarborough and the two is a he's a tank. I mean, guys, man, he, he's not as big as um you know, uh, as, as Derrick Henry, uh, their their uh, Heisman Trophy winner from last year. But man, this dude, he absolutely brings it. And just came out today that he actually broke his leg, and this kid was walking around on that thing, man. That's it's, wow, fantastic athlete. But yeah, when he went out, now you know they still had a stable of backs, um, you know, back there, but none that brought, you know, the same kind of physicality that that Bo Scarborough did. And I felt like they kind of got away from the running game and what they do best, but they also could have ran Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts is basically a, a running back as well, because when he, he, he can run the ball fantastically, he, um, he ran 4,000 yards a season as well. So I thought they would have tried to throw, you know, run the ball a little bit more, but it looked like they started to check off to, you know, some of their passing games and they struggled in the pass game. Let's just be honest. But if you watched Alabama throughout the season, Jalen Hurts, he continuously struggled. And, and, and it's to be expected. Again, he's an athlete. He's and he's an he's a true freshman. He's only 18 years old. You know, give the guy a break. Six months ago, he was at his prom. So, you know, and now he's playing in an yeah, national championship true. game. So, I mean, you know, to watch him, he still played a fantastic game. But you know, they struggled on the offensive side. And I and I asked the question, you know. Did this have something to do with Lane Kiffin not being there because they didn't have that same, um, they, they didn't have that same, you know, that, that stick to itiveness, you know? I mean, they had some, they didn't have it at continuity. And it just seems like I they mean, were just off a little bit. They didn't establish that identity, especially after Scarborough went out. Right. And, well, and that's what I said. I said, you know, is Lane Kiffin laughing all the way to Florida, you know, and, and did Sark being back there? you know, have an impact on this game. Um, I, but I do want to, I want to switch gears really quickly, Oscar, um, since we have Troy on the line before I have to go. Um, you just said, you know, about Bro Scarborough breaking his um, leg. Now, because he broke his leg in the national championship, if he, is he old enough to declare? And if he is, how does this impact his options and, his, and, and where he would fall in the draft? And because of this, do you are you more in agreement with um, the Fournette? I think it is from LSU and uh, the player from Stanford who opted not to play in their bowl games because I know they got a lot of flack for the possibility of of, getting, of not playing and not being out there with their teammates to avoid exactly what happened to Bo Scarborough in the national championship. So, what are your feelings and thoughts? You know, is that relates to those decisions well let me start with the latter part about the injury concern and to me it was it was very valid I mean let's just let's just face it I mean LSU was playing uh well excuse me um Stanford was playing in the Sun Bowl and LSU was playing in the Citrus Bowl and neither one of those teams regardless of the outcome it wouldn't have changed anything for the teams I mean so, but I mean, but there's other argument to it where p- people sit back and say, "Well, you signed on to play." 
this, that, and the third. I get it. But me personally, I, I definitely agree with what they did. They stepped out. And, the, and the, the irony of that is is that when Christian McCaffrey for Stanford, he decided not to play the game. And what happened? His quarterback tore his ACL. His quarterback tore his ACL during the game. And that was one of the concerns was also the turf because you're not used to playing on that kind of turf. Um, you know, it's a different kind of stadium that you're playing in, all of these injury concerns. I honestly feel like that not on, you're not going to just see those two guys that, you know, took that bowl game off. I think that's going to start to become a trend. Now, in regards to Bo Scarborough, he is a junior right now. If he decided to declare, he obviously it would be, you know, they would still have to check him out to see how you know severe the broken leg is. Um, whether it has any nerve damage, all of that stuff goes into it. But if it's a typical broken leg, most of the time that takes about eight eight weeks to heal. But what he would probably do is opt not to work out for the draft and probably opt not to work out for his pro day and let his film work kind of you know speak for him. It may drop him a little bit, but just looking at his body of work and looking at the size and the speed and the physicality that he runs with, I don't think he'll drop very far. But there, there is the other caveat is that right now, upcoming draft, there is a big, big push on running backs. You have so many running backs right now oh, yeah. who have declared, and oh, they're yeah. all very physical backs, and they're all very fast backs. you got a whole bunch of them that are coming out. Some teams may sit back and say, listen, we haven't worked them out. I'm more familiar with this guy because I've seen him at the combine, the senior bowl, this, that, and the third, and I'd rather go with him. So he may drop for those concerns. Yeah, that's what I yeah that's what I thought, and that, that that's and and that's what I was wondering. You know, and unfortunately, because like you said, you know, it validates the decision for them to sit. You know, not that you don't want to be out there with your teammates, not that you don't want to, you know, ride for the team, but if we take the sports factor out of this and look at it as a business decision. You know, when when we're in college and we're getting ready to graduate and we're getting ready to go out there for that job interview, you know, are we going to go out there and go party with our boys the night before? I mean, it's not a party, but, you know, do something that could potentially risk that interview the next day because, you know, how, what we leave with, impact what we're going to do in the future. And I don't think anybody else would risk their professional career. So it's 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 tough because at the other side of it, you do want to go out there with them. You want to be with them. And I just think it's going to be a really interesting decision that athletes have to face in the future going forward. And I really think Jadavian Clowney set, started this trend. What do you think, guys? Well, I mean, in, in regards to Clowney, he, he played out – the games, but it, it looked like he was he didn't put his best effort into it during his junior season at South Carolina. And for those same concerns, you even had some people sitting back saying, and they said the same thing about Fournette, is maybe he should just sit out the season. Which to me is ludicrous. I, I, I don't I, I really don't understand that point of it. Uh, I don't I don't think about going that far. But I do, you know, you could tell that Clowney was playing, you know, half speed a lot of the times. He was, you know, worried about guys because, you know, there's a big defensive lineman and, you know, on quick plays you have offensive linemen that are cut blocking. When they're, when they're cut blocking you, they're diving at your knees. 
And you could see, I mean, he was making business decisions every single time they were trying to cut him. And on one hand, you know, you get vilified for it. On the other hand, I completely understand. But, you know, he started to make a name for himself as far as, like, being lazy. And then fast forward his first two seasons in the NFL, he was oft injured. Um, some people felt like he didn't work hard hard enough. You had J.J. Watt who called him out and said he needed to be a harder worker and get, you know, get things done. And this season right now, he's made his first Pro Bowl. He didn't really blow, you know, uh, you know, blow it up as far as sacks. He only had six sacks this season. But his impact was felt throughout the defense on other ways as far as being a pass rusher, knocking passes down, and also playing the run, which was not part of his game in college. You get to that you get to that stage where you have to refocus yourself or you're gonna be out of the limelight. So I think he made a decision where, you know, when, when JJ Watts calls you out, you obviously need to make some right. improvement onto it. Um, you know, just the way well, it is. I mean it's it, this is the topper level echelon. So if you're being called out officially right. <laughs> that that sometimes has to wake you up, you know. Well it did and you can see it definitely had an impact. But there's, a, oh, there's yeah, another part sure. of this that that there's another part to this that I don't really feel like is fair. Is for and you have some coaches who are coming out who are criticizing these players for taking, you know, right. to, for sitting down and and that. But there's these guys are the same ones who were you know head coaches at a lower school and then they get a bigger job and they're not coaching their team in their bowl game because they're preparing with another team. You know they you know oh, it's just like with Lane yeah. Kiffin's situation. So Lane Kiffin took a job. Now, he said he wanted to stay, but a lot of times what you see is coaches say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just start working on my team, my new team, and, you know, I'm going to just deal with them. And no one bats an eye about that. But all of a sudden, these kids, they go ahead, who are not being paid, by the way, and they they make a business decision, and all of a sudden now they're being vilified. You got to do something about one if you can do something about the other. It's not – it's it's really what it is. It's just the fact that they get criticized. Uh, to your point, where reality is they shouldn't be criticized at all because technically they're not getting paid. So so it's kind exactly. of like a benefit to the school. So I think a lot of the sports writers forget that. They take they take the college games to a point where they're treating it like the pro game. And you realize, uh, to your point before, Troy, was, you know, you got to make the best decision for your future. And so a lot of the players on those bowl games – decided, hey, it's not worthy. Like you said, it's not the national championship. I mean, Scarborough here goes out with a broken knee, but he goes out in the biggest game on on national television and basically the biggest stage in college football, okay? So I don't think they're going to give him, uh, you know, not a a credible thing anymore because he went out. I think he's going to get a lot more, you know, uh, opportunity in that where the benefit of the doubt is. He played in the biggest game, and unfortunately he had a, you know, a situation where he just goes down. Well, the other players, you can look at it as a little selfish, more self-centered because they're, they're thinking about their you know, next stage in their career, and so they get mocked for the fact that they just gave out on their team so much. Um, you know, to me, when a player goes down based on injury, uh, I just think that you've know, you you got to give him his props. He stood out. He went out there. He did his part. And it's just unfortunate that he got injured, but he gave his all to his team and he showed up when he needed to show up. Yeah, and then, you know, there's the other part of that where, you know, you have some guys, I mean, you saw a guy like Ben Bowler last night for Clemson and the enthusiasm that he had before the game, during the game, after the game. A guy like that, 
you wouldn't think to you wouldn't think that he would say you know he wouldn't he wouldn't do anything like that he wouldn't say I'm gonna go ahead if he were you know like a supposed to be a first round draft pick he wouldn't because you, he's he's sitting there and his whole thing was this is my last time wearing this uniform I got I got so much love for this university I have so much love for my brothers in this locker room I have so much love. For all the guys that came before me, that paved the way, that helped build this program to where it's at to get us to this point, that I'm not going to disrespect those guys and and sit down. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to give it my all. There's that flip side of that coin, and it sounds great, but I understand it from both sides, so I'm not vilifying one or the other, but I just find it, you know, before to come to have coaches that come out and they have exactly. a path where they have left programs, that's where I get off the boat. And I'm like, listen, man, you, you can't have it both ways. And especially because no, no, no right. matter what we think, these are still kids. That's the other part of it. These are grown adults exactly. that have their careers. These are grown adults that have their careers. These are young kids who are trying to find their way. And I think that there's too much bashing of them yeah, in the media, absolutely. especially in the media. Yeah, we, too much criticism in that sense. Way yeah. too much. Um, so, you, so, and Kishi, you got to go then? I got to go. I just got to say one thing. This was one hell of a NFL wild card weekend. Ooh. We went from, oh, we yeah. went from the first Saturday's games were just like, yeah, exactly what you thought, just nice little wild card games. To two monster games with Miami and Pittsburgh, and then um, the Green Bay Packers and the, the Giants. Giants. And you know, one thing I do know for a fact is that that hole in the wall that Odell <laughs> left in Green Bay. Let's just say he will not be welcome back to Lambeau Field anytime soon. And I know. That he gonna get a nice little bill, but I think my favorite thing that I saw out of that whole foolishness was Trey Songs had the nerve to tweet, "Y'all can say what you want," but he said, "Look, he said, FYI, the linebackers were on the boat, so what's the excuse right. now?" When I saw right. that tweet, I was done. I was like, "Did he just go there?" Because and then someone else had a. So did you guys see the meme? With all of the linebackers, I mean, with all of the wide receivers on the boat, but then they replaced them with the crying Jordan men. Yep. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, and someone said, nah, Trey Song, you got to take this L right along with them because you're part of this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which is even funnier. You know what? And understanding, he's a Skins fan, to my knowledge. He's from Virginia. He's a Skins fan. Beckham is going to be if Beckham of anything is going to be at that level of Chad Johnson, where overhyped, self bragging, but never made anything out of that. You know, remember when Chad yeah, Johnson said he was going to be way better than Jerry Rice? I mean, that oh, is yeah. a, such a laugher now. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, the, the one, the one thing I could say though, um, you know, it, it was despite. I mean, you know. I'm gonna add in the point where the, you know where they put the crying Jordan in the, in the hole in the wall. To me, that was the funniest oh. one. Um, <laughs> I missed but, that one. But I, I just think I like I like his passion. I like his passion. You know, punching a hole in the wall, getting upset, and you know, I, I like that. I, but I just but where think is that passion he, when he was chilling? 
This is this is this is takes me well, right back to the Tony Romo, Jessica Simpson trip to Cabo with Jason Witten and his wife. Remember they did the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah, but that's it. I think that, that's more of a that's more of a bedroom thing where it didn't happen because of what happened. It's not like no, no, oh, no, Beckham, no, you know, no, 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 no. Tony got clobbered. No, no, no. Go back. Tony Romo got clobbered because they said the same thing. Instead of having his butt chilling in Cabo, he should have been in the game room preparing. And other people said he's had a long, stressful season. Leave this man alone. Let him have some a, a, a little bit of downtime with his boot thing. He because he wasn't out partying. He wasn't out, you know, on the boat with the blunts and all that other crazy, you know, and the girls. It was his dedicated girlfriend with whom he was in a committed relationship because they were together for at least three years. So you're right. It wasn't on the same level, but the concept was the same was that on your week off, instead of out kicking it, you better kick your butt back in here and get ready because this is your first playoff. And sure enough, we went on to lose that playoff and Tony got clobbered for it as well. Well, the New York media will be very friendly to Beckham. No. Yeah, my, I mean, my my thing is, I, I, you know, I I don't want to subscribe to that. I mean, it was five days before the game. I mean, I, I could see if it was the night before. I just don't think it has anything to do with it. I mean, people want to make a big deal about it. I mean, listen, man, these guys are young. They have yeah. money. You know, Troy. So he just had an off night with. He had an off night with poor yeah. hands. Let's not forget. Well, here's the other thing. Let's be honest. We're not thinking there. about that. <laughs> right. It was too cold. It was too cold. That's what it was. See, here's the problem. I wouldn't want to catch a football in those in that weather and those conditions. But it didn't no. help that he was running around with no shirt on earlier before. So if you can That's, run yeah. around the field with I, no you know, shirt I, on, the, bo- the bottom line is they're not going to forgive him for this. It's going to be hyped up more than it is, and they're adding to it yeah. as it is. So Which <laughs> go I back from already. I all I know. So that means then that Roger Goodell is going to make some changes uh, in the in the entire NFL office is going to make some changes to the schedule. And uh, so just so we can get another Green Bay. Um, New York Giants rematch because now he's just he's taking it up another notch. So first it was the Josh Norman situation. That whole beef fell through. So now they've got to find a new beef for uh, for Odell Beckham. And, I'm, and now he, it's going to be some kind of way they're going to have to pit him against the uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, since it, the Josh Norman thing. It's never going to end. This, this, this kid, this kid's so, uh, uh, so hyped and so imp- up and up front, uh, the There's New York media is going to give him some sort of, you know, okay. There you go, drama, drama queen. Perfect. queen. Perfect. No, what they're going to do right. is they're going to end up putting Odell Beckham against that wall in Lambeau. It's going to be him, the wall, <laughs> and the kicking net in a three-way tag match. And that's what oh, <laughs> I forgot about the kicking net. Seriously. The kicking net. I forgot about the kicking net. Yes, that's talk seriously. about a triangle. Yeah, that that's it. Well, uh, yeah, I feel bad for him. I think yeah, he's, he's, get, he's got the whole the whole off season to deal with it. It's this is gonna be bad. Yeah, well but he proposed to the kicking that he can't go back and propose to the wall. <laughs> hey man, he's, I'm he's just young saying. and virile. He's young and virile. 
exactly. <laughs> well, all I know is I am really, other than that, I have nothing to say about anything. I I am taking this position the entire week. I will not bash. I will not make fun of. I am not going to tease, antagonize, nothing. I ain't. I'm not. No. No. I'm not posting no so limbs. Before I'm you go, before you go, Kishi, I'm not antagonizing the you. sports gods. No, I am Look, not before antagonizing you go, I'm the sports you. gods. Leave me alone. There will be a I hail mary in Dallas that might cause the loss for the Cowboys. Yeah. Just yeah, to let you know. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm gonna tell you one more again. <laughs> we will not. Rogers. We will. We will. Dez caught it. Now shut up. <laughs> he did not. not. No, of course. We there will be a hail mary. There will be a hail stadium, Why? and the Dallas Cowboys are going to lose the game on a hail mary. Why is it that everybody who's out on the boat with a long, long pole looking for some? About and some track and some trout. Why must you be so negative? All these flavors. Hey, woman, I thought you were going out the last ten minutes. I'm but we bring in the cowboys and you're still hanging around. What's going I know, on gotta here? Gotta go. Nothing now. I told you I ain't antagonizing the sports guys and I ain't gonna let you drag us down. Hey, so who do you who do you have winning? Who do you have winning this game, Casey? Green Bay, of course. She's got Green Bay winning. The Cowboys. The Cowboys. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, the Cowboys. It's going to be a good game. Yes, it, it will is going to be a good game. <laughs> All right, then. I'll talk to you guys next week after the game. And All right, don't work too I will hard not tonight. be joining you on the Cowboys. Don't work too hard tonight. Oh, you, you got an espresso right next to you or something? Because you're going to need some sort of a, what's it, a drink, power drink? Oh, yeah, you're going to need some new throw stand. pillows, too, for that new couch. Yeah, you're going to need to get comfortable. It's going to really? get comfortable, so I'm just saying. You know, get your blanket out. flavors, and you choose to be salty. <laughs> Look here, Petty LaBelle. I ain't got time for you tonight. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll talk, I'll, listen, we will be tweeting throughout the game. Well, no, I'm not going to talk to you all during the game. I'll talk to you all up until the game, and I will not, You're depending not on how things. I know. I will be there tweeting. Will be no ne- it won't be necessary to tweet the game. Yeah, I'll be, yeah, I will. I'll be tweeting during the game. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, have a great night. Get some rest. Uh, hope your thing turns out great tomorrow. So, who do you have in these upcoming playoff games? I'm just. I, I can I, tell I, you, Corey, the Rams are, are not in it to win it. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but you um, and I both, man. But I can tell you right now, the, the, Lambeau, the Lambeau game was very impressive. I mean, this is just. Very. I mean, I thought for sure the Packers were going to somehow falter when uh, Nelson went down with the uh, rib injury. But then when you started to see the Giants offensively just not getting it done, Eli came out pretty well. But then all of a sudden they just kind of collapsed. And then defensively they just couldn't hold up. And, you know, it's just Aaron Rodgers once again. Yeah, man, I mean, that, that hell Mary. I think that broke their hearts. I mean, what what this guy, man. 
And, you know, I'm not going to necessarily give it all to Rodgers, but they, listen, the Packers practice this. They, they practice it. And they've had five of those things in four years. Two of them were last year. And so, and then you had one this year. This is just, that's, it's, it's incredible. Incredible the way that they did that, man. I just, and it, and it broke their hearts. I mean, I just think the Giants came out flat in that, that next half. You could tell, I mean, they went into the locker room and they probably got a little bit warmed up and they came back in that cold. And to me, I would rather just stay out there. I mean, I played in the coldest weather I played in was about maybe 20 degrees, maybe a 15 degree wind chill, something like that. It was unbearable. But I, the one thing I didn't want to do is go back in and start getting warm and then come back out and got to do it all over. Got to warm up all over again. I didn't want to do that. I'm just like, might as well just stay out here. And so sure. I just think the Giants, it, it looked like that's what, they, what happened with them. They came out there in the second half and they were just completely flat. They were still dropping passes. Uh, they were blowing coverages left and right. They couldn't get to Aaron Rodgers on the pass rush. They they just couldn't make it happen. I mean, this guy, he was untouchable in the pocket. He is in a zone like you like like the you know, the year that they won the Super Bowl. I think that was two thousand eleven or two thousand ten, yep. I believe. He's just he's just incredible. 19, to me Troy, nineteen he's the best quarterback. With nineteen touchdowns with no interceptions in the last seven games. He's throwing literally yeah. twenty touchdowns. I mean, it's just. I mean, you know, I, and then you throw in the, you, the return of Randall Cobb to the scene, on top of Adams. Oh, wow. I mean, that yeah. that was just that was just a recipe for disaster for the Giants, especially when their offense was just completely, you know, spinning the other way. The only bright spot yeah, for them, I think, was Collins. Collins on the defensive side of the ball, but other than that, that was probably the only bright spot. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Devontae Adams because, I mean, last year they were really counting on him when uh, Jordy Nelson went down in week one, and he just he kind of just dropped the ball. He just didn't have a good year, and then it came out he wasn't healthy. And this year, man, he's been tearing it up. He's been really tearing it up. And so to see him kind of come into his own, and at the same time, Randall Cobb, he was also dinged up last year. He's looking better this year. I think they'll be able to overcome the loss of Jordy Nelson because I mean multiple cracked ribs. I mean, what a hell of a shot he took. Um, but yeah, they, they, I just think that they are they they are primed at the wide receiver position to make it happen. The biggest story to me is Ty Montgomery get, being hurt. I, I didn't see uh, much on the injury report about you know what's going on with him and whether he'll play, but it didn't look good at all when he got twisted up and basically was twisted oh, yeah, like yeah. a pretzel under the pile. And they yeah, still have Kristen Michael, and they can also, yeah, and they can also bring up Eddie Lacy, I believe. I think he's still able to come in, but that didn't look good. And I think that prob- probably would be the bigger story: is what are they going to do at the running back position? Is Kristen Michael um, has he been acclimated to the offense enough where he can get you know get it going for those guys? Well, Aaron Rakowski was not too bad uh, in terms of a filler, but in, in that game he played pretty decent in terms of a punch in. But um, yeah, the big fullback, yeah, so, so, big rip. Yeah, thirty-eight to thirty-eight to thirteen, Roger-like game, especially after the second half. After the second half, it was you already knew Green Bay was going to punch it in, and then the hail mary right there just kind of like crushed you. You know, it reminds you of the Seattle game pretty much at this point where you just kind of just hope that they're going to do well. But Giants pride all over Twitter, man. Everybody was crying 
after the second half, after the like the Hail Mary happened, everybody pretty much knew they were they were just doomed. They were just crying. I mean, I was just oh, like, man. I was going through the feeds just trying to find something interesting, but uh, you know, it, it, almost everybody in Giants Nation already knew that you know this was just if Eli wasn't going to get them out of it, they they were going to be done. Especially when uh, Beckham was dropping balls and everybody else, Shepard, you know, they were just not offensively going. They already knew this was doom. You know what I mean? Because because once once Aaron Rodgers gets hot, it's pretty much quick, easy shots, and they're you're getting in. You know what I mean? They're going to punch him in. It's just no question. Um, Troy, Pittsburgh comes in. Initially, you think Miami has a shot, and then all of a sudden, they take over. You know, Bell and company take over. Rogers, uh, I mean, uh, Brown takes over. Um, it's you know, Tomlinson pretty much came prepared. Uh, then you got Roethlisberger. I mean, so this is this is one of the best teams. I think if we had to look at all the eights right now, I would say Pittsburgh. You got to watch out for. Um, you know what? I like I like the way Pittsburgh came out and played. Um, and, and they just they took it to the Dolphins. Just watching how physical they played out there. That was some hard, hard hitting. And it was from both teams. Both teams out there laying the wood. But yeah, you gotta, you know, predominantly say it was a, it was uh Pittsburgh that was they were really just tossing the Dolphins around after after a while, man. So yeah, they look they look really strong. And then just watching Le'Veon Bell, I man, this kid I I've never seen a running back that plays like that. So I mean typically when you hear from a running back, you you know, I play running back and my coach used to say, um, you know, be patient, wait for your blocks to develop, and then, you know, hit the hole, go downfield, square your shoulders to the line of scrimmage, and lower your pad level. This guy doesn't do any of that. I mean, he he's he gets the ball. He's standing straight up. He kind of bounces around, you know, just kind of dipping and diving, and then he runs straight forward. He's standing straight up, and he still manages to make – you know, get yards and big chunks, and he makes huge plays. He's he's a dynamic receiver out of the backfield. He is a one-of-a-kind talent. I think that guy right there is the X factor, especially going into Kansas City. Kansas City is supposed to have some really nasty weather this week. It looks like freezing rain for their game. So I'm not sure who, who, that, who the advantage goes to because both of these teams are similar where – you know they're they're pretty strong hard hitters on defense. They both run the ball and they, uh, you know, but you know the the Pittsburgh Steelers are a lot more dynamic on offense. But when that weather goes like that, that's a great equalizer. It's going to be a great great game, dude. I cannot wait to watch these playoff games this weekend. So Kansas City and Pittsburgh, hell of a game. I'm still going to go with Kansas City. I'm gonna still keep riding that horse, man. I just think that you know that week off helped them out to get them healthy. And um, I think they'll be prepared for Pittsburgh. And after a, a damn strong performance uh, out there, but they were, you know, it was a pretty physical game against the Dolphins. That might take this toll on them. So, hey, everybody at this point in the season is pretty much injured. So, But I'm going to still go ahead and rock with uh, Kansas City Chiefs at this point. Pretty impressive season for Miami, considering everything they've done in the last two years. This has got to be very impressive that they're in the playoffs. They got in the playoffs. Uh, Bell sort of reminds me of like a little bit of Eric Dickerson and Marcus Allen in that aspect of, of his running game. 
um, you know, very elusive in, in times, and the cuts does pretty well. And like you said, his hands are very, very uh, good in terms of catching and stuff, the ability that he's got there. Um, Kansas City, big test for them, I think, more so than anything. But I think for Pittsburgh, it's going to be, you know, can you, besides the element, it'll be can they make minimal mistakes because uh, the Chiefs' defense is it's pretty, pretty good. So we'll see how that pans out with Ben. And on the other side, Alex Smith taking on the steel defense. The Steeler defense is not as good as it's been in the past, so maybe there's opportunities there in the secondary to kind of take some punch-ins. Um, the other game we had was Seattle and Detroit. Detroit should have just never left Michigan, technically, because they just <laughs> literally didn't even show up. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I was so pissed. I, I put I put they Stafford on my fan duel because I thought he was going to get more yards and all that crap, and it didn't happen. I was so disappointed. Um, so th- this Detroit team, I mean, you could say thanks for getting into the show and coming to the club and a couple of drinks because they didn't really dance on the dance floor. They, they, You know, Seattle literally proved they still own, you know, and you said it, uh, Troy, last week, it's going to be tough for Detroit to come in here. I was optimistic about maybe Detroit, you know, coming in with some sort of gusto, but it just like you know, you proved me. Uh, obviously, you proved your point there. Uh, just a tough place to to play in in Seattle. Yeah, I, mean, I, I figured it'd be tough to go up there to Seattle, but I I actually picked Detroit to win that game, and I just felt like that they could have got it gotten it going, but they were so out of sync. I, it just looked like they were nervous, or I, I don't know what it was, man. It, it wasn't that I didn't see Seattle do anything, you know out of the ordinary they didn't beat them up enough I mean you know it just looked like they just didn't make plays and um you know for Seattle to they finally got their running game going um you know Rawls he ran 442 yards and I mean that's the that's the biggest thing with these guys if they can run the football they're going to be a tough out and so that's and Detroit was I believe they were 30th in the league and stopping the run so I mean they, they went right against their Achilles heel and, you know, Atlanta's not that much better on defense either. So they're going to have to try to ride the same kind of game plan going into Atlanta. But on the defensive side, that's going to be a great matchup. How often is Julio Jones going to line up in front of Richard Sherman? If I'm the Falcons, I keep I stay away from that guy. I know you want to be a competitor, but guess what? I want to go ahead and move to the NFC Championship game. I'll, you know, I'll talk trash later. Let's just get the win and line this guy up somewhere else other than over top of Richard Sherman if I'm the Falcons. But I just think that the Falcons dynamically, they're so dynamic on offense. And Seattle was still beat up on defense. I just think Atlanta pulls this out. Atlanta's going to be at home. That really doesn't matter with that team because they have shown in the past that they can, you know, lose games at home. But I just think Atlanta is, is red hot right now with Matt Ryan and that offense. I just think that they have a little bit too much firepower for Seattle, and Seattle's just banged up at this point in the season. The only real weapon they got in terms of the the Hawks right now is probably Baldwin, uh, you know, the the Wilson-Baldwin combo, because uh, what's his, Graham's been contained pretty much all season. And to your point, and he was uh, you got Freeman, on, Freeman, in, Freeman in the running game. And you got Jones in the passing game, and Ryan. Is this the is this going to be the test here? I think more so than Seattle, because if Seattle 
if Seattle wins, nobody's going to be really that surprised that they're winning. You know what I mean? Because you, you just beat Detroit, a lesser team with the crappy defense, if you want to call it that. And all of a sudden you go to Atlanta. Atlanta has been hyped, you know, even before that. This is the season. It's, they've been had a good season. So is it more pressure on Ryan to win than it is for uh, Wilson to lose? Oh, it's definitely more on Ryan. Um, you know, he's beaten Seattle before. As a matter of fact, that's his only playoff victory was against the Seahawks. So, but the thing about Matt Ryan is, is if you are an Atlanta Falcons fan or you live in the Atlanta area, there's a lot of dislike toward Matt Ryan. Even after he's had these high, you know, high statistical seasons, but he just flat out hasn't gotten these guys done. And, you know, to be as drafted as high, they expected more from him. Me personally, I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I would love to have a quarterback like Matt Ryan. I mean, I don't understand what the Falcon fans are saying, but the the bottom line is, is when you look at it, he only has one playoff win. And, you know, in other seasons, he just had flat out had, hasn't gotten it done. And so, for me, better I would coaching, say I think this season than anywhere. I think he had better coaching this year than anything else, and I think that's a benefit to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kyle Shanahan to me, to me, he's one of the best offensive minds in in football. Period. I just, you know, he's starting to get his due now. I think, I, in my opinion, he should have gotten his due after you know, uh, you know, getting RG three and that Redskins offense and what they did with that team. You could have called this guy a genius at that point. And so, you know, looking what he's doing now and, and, and getting that Atlanta team uh, just so so much firepower and just being able to use those parts that effectively like he did. Matt Ryan just married very well win the MVP this year. So I just think that he'll figure out a game plan to, to combat Seattle. Um, they have great coaching, as you stated before, um, on defense. I think that's going to be the issue. Um, they don't have a whole lot of playmakers on that side. But, I mean, you do have, you know, uh, the leading sacker in the, in the AFL and, and Beasley. Uh, he's a second-year player. And you got some, you know, you got some speed on that team, but they just have flat out hadn't put it all together yet. But I just think overall Atlanta's still the better team, and I picked them to win it. Now, over in the first game matchup, Oakland comes in pretty much crippled. <laughs> a mass unit, if you want to call it yeah. that, against yeah. the Texans. And all of a sudden, Osweiler decides to show up. But I think it was more – do we give Oakland the credit for the win? Because <laughs> technically I think if the Raiders would have shown up with Carr healthy and every, everything else in place, I don't think uh, Texans would have had a, you know, a shot. But um, I guess, do you, you know – if you're a Texan fan right now, do you forgive this guy, or are you waiting for another another win against the Patriots? Well, you know, let's just you know be real here. I mean, they're they played an Oakland defense who's just not very good. Um, you know, they have you know two you know sack artists when you know coming off the ends, and um, other than that, they don't really have much. You know, they just don't. And so when David Carr went down and that offense, you knew that offense wasn't just going to be able to just run up and down the field and score and outscore teams. Then couple that with them playing the number one defense in the NFL, the Houston Texans, and they did that without J.J. Watt, by the way. You knew it was going to be a problem. So 
I'm not definitely not surprised that the Houston Texans won. If you really want to surprise me, Houston Texans beat the Patriots. You know, that's the real game right there. So I'm not surprised that's what I'm saying. How, it, it has, how that ended up at all. You'd have to be TV. But you'd it, have to be TV twelve to make to make a, a yeah. you know a, a big statement for in terms of Houston fans. They would remember right. that. <laughs> they would oh, forget yeah. everything in the season, and then they would just go, "Man, he just beat the Patriots." <laughs> I think right. uh, uh, we're all forgiven, right? It's like going to mass or going back to your. <laughs> Everybody's gonna just go. Uh, Osweiler, yes, that's our guy. <laughs> How quickly yeah. our sentiments yeah. change, right? Exactly. And by the way, it's no way in hell they're beating the Patriots. So you know they can get that out of their heads right now. What Not with that guy, Troy. What do you say? It's just awful. Troy, you don't think he's got a shot? No way. <laughs> Honestly, I think I think Brock. Brady just gave them credit for having a good defense. He said it was a good team yeah. over there. Is he just is he mocking them? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, he's right. They do. They have a great defense. They're the number one defense in the league. But uh, you, he, man, I'm gonna tell you, Brock Osweiler is the worst quarterback. He's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. It's not even close. It's not even close. He's just awful. He's just he's an awful quarterback. Uh, Tom Savage must be on ICU right now because there's no way if I'm a head coach, I'm Bill Bradley. <laughs> I'm putting this guy in the game. There's no way. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that was good. I He's like that one. <laughs> awful quarterback. Yeah. No, I, the only thing I was saying is because uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is because, you know, the guy wins, he beats the Raiders, and I had somebody on Twitter says, so he beats the Raiders. That's really what somebody said. Because, you know, there's <laughs> – okay, so you beat the Raiders. And so I, I guess you know, <laughs> if you're a if you're a Texan fan, you're happy you won. But this is kind of like Grossman when the Bears were when the defense was carrying the Bears and everybody was giving Grossman the credit <laughs> for getting them to the yeah. Super Bowl, which was kind of lame awful, in itself. <laughs> I think that this yeah, is where Gross, we're at now. Grossman was also terrible. <laughs> this is this is a, this is the same kind of concept in Houston. <laughs> he yeah. plays a good game when but, he needs to play a good game. He gets them there, but it's not like going to be anything bigger than that, I don't think. Yeah, and, and no one's going to remember that. Like, I mean, they're just not. I mean, it's going to be a footnote. You know, he won a playoff game, and then you know it's, it's going to be probably an asterisk next to it. And which is, you know, he, you know, he won it. Okay, you got to give him that. But man, it, it certainly wasn't on him. He threw he threw some nice balls out there. He threw some nice passes. Yeah. But I just think you know, Troy. Troy, if you're Belichick right now, Troy, if you're Belichick right now, you're just probably looking forward to Kansas City or Pittsburgh, right? Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, you're studying Kansas City and Pittsburgh's film. Um, Osweiler, he's you don't really have to do much to fool him, and I think that's that's what bothers me watching him play quarterback. He gets fooled by you know cover three. Cover three is a very basic defense. If you don't understand, like, what you're looking at when you're snap, I don't understand how he got this far. I just don't. Maybe it's a confidence thing. But, you know, if he's throwing interceptions against cover three and cover two, it's nothing exotic that they showed him. And he's throwing interceptions or throwing balls in the dirt or just completely missing guys. He's just not a good quarterback. And I don't know what they're going to wait for. Maybe maybe they cut him in the offseason. But apparently, yeah, they probably will. what I've been hearing, 
apparently for what I've been hearing is that this was done against Bill Bradley's uh, wishes. And this is not the quarterback that he wanted. So now we we know that you shouldn't have have gone against the owner. (laughs) That's a bad sign. Yeah. 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 Um, So, Troy, are you taking uh, Kansas City over Pittsburgh? Or are you and are you are you taking? Oh, you are okay. So I'm with you there. I think that's it's going. Andy Reid's. I think it's Andy Reid's year. I really think so. Yeah. Uh, I good playmakers on Pittsburgh and all that good stuff. But uh, I think it, when it boils down to crunch time, they've they've found a way to win. And this is a big game. And I don't think they're coming in to lose, especially at home. And so uh, it's in their elements to do that. Um, the other side, you have. Seattle taking on Atlanta. You already said, Ryan, uh, I'm with you on that. I think Atlanta does have the better, the better uh, weaponry and everything else included, and it is their game to lose. So, I would assume Atlanta. If in a Seattle would surpri- would not surprise me if they would pull it off, and it, it'll be a close game. I think ultimately, um, I just I can't go against Rodgers. I love Inkishi. I love you know that she loves her team and all that. But I just don't see Rodgers going into Dallas to lose, <laughs> especially after he's won this, has gone this far to win, you know, to get into the playoffs and do this stuff. And Adams and Cobb showed me re- resurgence at that at that offensive aspect of it. And Elliott and Prescott are going to have to play a big time game to beat Rodgers. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's that I guess that's the um that's what makes this the most intriguing game is is that what we are doing is we're looking at the last performance that we've seen from Green Bay and we're saying to ourselves, Man, they looked really good against a defense that was really, really good. I mean, they were really shutting teams down and Rogers just like just tore them apart. I mean, he tore them apart. With ease, it didn't look like it was that difficult at all, and you know, so we haven't seen the Cowboys really play at full strength since you know week sixteen, which is the second to last game of the season, and so you know we're looking at it like, man, you know the Rogers looks good and and honestly, man, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of Rogers the last seven games that I've seen him, he's unstoppable. They don't the, – the, the Cowboys don't have an answer for them. I, I truly believe that. I mean, they've schemed up a lot of stuff this year, um, you know, on that side of the ball, and they've made, you know, uh, you know they made uh, wine out of water. And, and you got to give them credit for that. But this is Aaron Rodgers. This is the absolute best that the NFL has to offer. And I just think when, you, when it comes down to it, he's going to tear them apart on offense. So it's going to probably have to be a shootout. Maybe, you know, Dallas decides to run the football a lot to keep the ball out of his hands. You know, you've seen that a lot in the past, you know, with the, with dynamic offenses. Dallas is really going to have to come up with a good game plan because, you know, it, it, Rodgers with the ball in his hands is about as dangerous as there is. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's, let's uh, finish up the show here. Uh, women's recaps. A lot of news and notes happening in the women's game. In Spain, we're about to launch the 2017 season. Um, you're looking at the LNFA Femenina action to kick off this weekend, week one. The champion Bar- uh, Barbera rookies 
uh, versus the Badalona Drax, as well as the uh, Le Hospital Pioneers taking on the Bad, uh, Barcelona Buffaloes. Uh, Terrassa uh, Reds will get the bye week this week. So big, big matchup here. Uh, the cream of the crop being the rookies. Uh, they have champions of the uh, Spain Cup as well as champions of last year. So it's going to be a big deal. Uh, La Rosa Black Demons move on to uh, a different league this year, uh, separated leagues, but the top league here. So the only competitive team here in this uh, in this slate is going to be Barcelona uh, versus uh, uh, Barbera. So it's going to be kind of an interesting season to see who, if they end up together again for the championship. Barcelona has always been on the uh, losing end of things, so we'll see how they turn out this weekend. Um, you got a noticeable thefts on Facebook. If you don't follow us on Facebook, uh, I guess you're sleeping or snoring or not paying attention, but go follow us on Facebook at Gridiron Beauties. Get the know-how and everything that's going on in the women's game, uh, including uh, stories, inspirational stories, as well as as the season's coming up here with the Women's Football Alliance and the Independent Women's Football League, as well as the Western Women's Canadian Football League. Uh, we're diving into North America uh, primarily, and then we keep up with everything else international. So there was a cool uh, story uh, by the CranesCleveland.com on the Cleveland Fusion. They were featured on their feature. And I will tell you right now, the Cleveland Fusion way better than the Cleveland Browns overall in the span that they've been together. Oh, man. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Four and four for Cleveland last season, so way better record, 500 technically than the Browns ever wish they could be. So, you know, shout out to Cleveland Fusion for that. And they're looking forward to a new season as well. The revised WFA for 2017, we're so excited. Brand new teams, more teams coming in. I mean, it's going to be so awesome for this, this season to look up. So if you're a, a football fan, WFA is going to be the place to be. The IWFL champion Falcons are gearing up for 2017. They also have uh, their tryouts, so check out their stuff. You can follow them at Utah Falcons on Facebook. Um, the other thing we had going on here, Lexfa. We had a Lexfa preview for the IFAB World uh, Women's Championships. They're getting ready, obviously, to field and uh, pick some of their top players to go to the national tryouts and see who's going to make the team in conjunction with FX Mexico. FX Mexico uh, was featured via our partner, network partner, uh, Tercer Cuarto, which is third quarter in English. Uh, they interviewed the Vikingas champions, uh, Andy Romero, the uh, talented running back, as well as the nice defensive back, Anna Barboza, and Coach Giovanni Castillo. And Coach Giovanni Castillo has been named to uh, the national squad as a coach to uh, field up the Mexico team for the IFAB World Championship that's going to be in Canada. So congratulations to Coach Giovanni Castillo for that honor. Uh, we also have uh, the French League. It's going to kick off in February, and we featured uh, the kickoff there. It's going to be in February. So there's a feature there for Sharks, the Sharks team that's in uh, in that league as well. And there's a cool video uh, made by Flash de Corvinet, and Flaster Corvinet is showcasing uh, a video of girls can play football. Check it out. It's pretty cool. And then the Female Coaching Network, which we network with, featured the talented Tony Fuller of the IWFL Austin Yellow Jackets, which were in the playoffs last year uh, against the Falcons, who they didn't beat. But uh, Tony, uh, inspirational story there as well on her journey in terms of a football player, an athlete, and a coach. And so check it out on Facebook. Uh, dot com forward slash great iron beauties uh usa football national trials going to be january 21st 
through the 29th in conjunction with the NFL Pro Bowl as well as the Women's World Football Games 4. That's going to happen all that weekend in Orlando. So if you're in Orlando, go check it out. USA Football National Tryouts for the USA team that's going to compete at the IFAB World Championships in Canada in Vancouver. Uh, the Football Canada Tryouts have happened already. Uh, they're going to be finalizing their roster soon, hopefully within this month or next month. And as soon as they come out, we'll go ahead and check that out. Most of the talent's probably going to come out of the WWCFL. And speaking of the WWCFL, they also have tryouts going on for various teams. You can follow the uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League on Facebook or the individual team sites for times and tryouts as well. Uh, WFA tryouts this weekend, January 15th, the return of the San Diego Surge, the only tryout of the Surge. Uh, and so if you want to get there, uh, you need to be there. So if you want to be part of the championship squad, the return of the WFA uh, San Diego Surge, pretty exciting times. January 14th, Orlando Anarchy has got their tryouts. The Anarchy is going to be now in a Florida slate of uh, competition. There's more teams that the WFA added this year to the Florida State uh, versus the last two years. Now it's a full slate. The Dixies are there, the Wave Runners, um, you got the Pride, um, and so the Pumas. So there's a lot of teams in there, including the uh, Always uh, amazing team that we covered last year, the Tampa Inferno, the Tampa Bay Inferno, which is the elite of that area. So uh, check out the uh, tryout for the Orlando Anarchy January 14th. So um, in Baffle Women, it's going to kick off in February as well. Baffle Women kicks off uh, in February, so we'll keep tabs on that, at Baffle Women on, on Twitter as well as Baffle Women uh, on Facebook. And you have the Legends Football League tryouts coming up January 28th. You've got the, the new uh, expansion or the return of the Denver Dream, the Austin Acoustic, and the Chicago Bliss. And January 14th this weekend, you got the Atlanta Steam. Uh, the only news to, to report is the Dallas Desire will not be returning to the 2017 season because of lease issues as well as the New England Liberty, which is kind of a depressing and heartbreaking given the fact that they played so well last year. So at this point, they're going to they're be replaced by – uh, a, a pending Pittsburgh franchise or another team on, on the East Coast will also be uh, announced. Either Tampa, Miami will be announced. They had uh, initially announced Phoenix as an expansion team. I don't know how true that would be. So this week's big news in terms of what Pittsburgh is going to be announced in another East Coast time. So, um, Troy, we're ready to rock. Wow. Next week's going to be wild, wild card, I mean, a uh, divisional champion, uh, championship uh, for the NFL. And I'm out of breath, pretty much. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm Wow. I, I just That's news to me about that Dallas Desire, man. So, wow. That's not that's not good, man. Uh, I really enjoy watching that team play. Um, but, yeah, uh, this, this weekend is going to be awesome. Uh, you know, great slate of games. Uh, I'm just looking forward to watching some more football. I get, you know, you get Saturday and Sunday to do it. To me, that's just incredible. I, I love it. That's just that's what I live for, man. I just want to watch more football. Yep. But it's so sad to me because college football is over. So I'm shedding a little bit of tears, oh, yeah. man, but I still got the NFL left, dude. Thanks to uh, Mike Winkstead and Joshua Marable from Zybeck Sports for being on today at the with the Noja Football Huddle. We'll catch you guys here next week right here on Block Talk Radio. Gordon Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio. I'll catch you guys next week. See you guys.